Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDIC. Welcome to Own the Microphone. Join me, Bridget McGowan, an award-winning international professional speaker and owner of the independent publishing company, BMAC Talks Press. Hello, Bridget McGowan here, and welcome to today's episode of Own the Microphone. Today, I have with me none other than Chris Bent. Chris, welcome to the show. Thank you so much, Bridget. I am excited to be here. I'm excited too. I think I might even ask you some questions that have absolutely nothing to do with speaking, just because I find you quite intriguing. <laughs> so, Chris, how did you get started as a professional speaker? So I got started at a pretty young age when I joined a startup and we were traveling around the country selling these little credit card sized multi-tools, almost like a Swiss army knife, the size of a credit card so you can carry it around with you. And we went to about 10 home and gift shows around the country every year to sell these. So I basically got started speaking in a little 10 by 10 booth, trying to attract people over to buy these little pocket monkeys and and learned how to read an audience and attract them and talk in a relatively fluid way uh, from that experience. So what would you do to get people to come over to your booth? Because we've all been to those conferences and we've been in those exhibit halls and some of them can be quite intimidating with all of these different vendors. What did you do to try to set yourself apart from vendor to you? Yeah, that, that is a great question. We would change the pitch based on who we saw coming to us. So if they looked maybe a bit younger and more playful, I might cheekily ask if they wanted to see my pocket monkey, which <laughs> would get some intrigue to say the least. So that's one way of uh, going about it. Um, and sometimes it's just uh, catching their eye and putting something in their hand, because when you offer something to someone, the natural response is to take that and receive that. And once they are holding on to it, it's a lot easier to have a conversation and to uh, hop into the pitch after. So, yeah, we, we would get and, and that's the great thing is that it provided a, a little playground to experiment with different ways of attracting attention. So with changing your pitch based on who was in front of you at your booth, do you do that on the stage as well based on who's out in the audience? Like how how do you change your pitch or just do things differently if you're giving a formal presentation up on a stage? It's a great question. And I think ideally you have that in the research, in the preparation, where you are talking to the organizers, you are finding out 
who is the audience? Why are they coming to the event right now? What are they hoping to get out of this? What sort of transformation can I help to be a part of to make this the best use of everyone's time? And I think the more pre-work that you can do before you get up on stage, the more confident you'll feel and the more the audience will feel that you did this specifically for them. You're not just going up on stage and saying the same 60 minute spiel and then hopping on a plane and doing it again. And I think that really makes an impact. So you can do a lot ahead of time and do your research. And then I also personally love improv. And it's one of the things that I find I can get into the flow state when I am just riffing and interacting and so using some of those improv abilities to see if people are laughing, if they are looking disinterested, if they are like totally engaged and hanging on your every word, having that ability of adjusting on the fly can be can be really important. You reminded me when you started talking about improv and just making those adjustments at, at the drop of a dime, you reminded me of a presentation that I recently did in New Orleans for the Association for Talent Development at their core four presentation. So I did a core four conference. I did a presentation on, surprise, surprise, presentation skills. And then I uh, was at a book signing that the organization hosted. And it was so funny. A couple of the participants from my session that morning came in and one of them said it was those moments of improvisation where I totally had him on the edge of his seat. He said, now, not that I wasn't paying attention at all during the entire session, but he said it was when you were just going off the cuff. And I'll be honest with you, Chris, I, I was in that state of flow where you're enjoying yourself so much until it doesn't feel like work. So as he's talking to me about how much he enjoyed my improvisations. I didn't even remember what in the world I had said or what I did. Like I, I, to this day, I don't remember what it was, but I'll take something that an audience member says, and then I just take off with it. So the lesson for listeners is don't feel like you have to be so perfectly scripted. The audience might like the improv better than the script. And they might learn mm -hmm. more from the improv than they do from your set notes or what you have, quote unquote, chiseled in stone. Yeah, absolutely. And I think having, knowing what your core message is, what you want to convey. And so you hit all your points, but then you also leave that space to fill in, to have improv, to slip into something that wasn't scripted. And if you if you have that core point down, but then you also kind of you work on this mindset that, hey, I'm going to feel comfortable making some things up on stage. And if you have the right intention, like I just I'm here to inspire. I'm here to inform. I'm here to help them connect, whatever that is. If you just are clear about your intention and you can let the improv happen. And, and I think that's when some, sometimes you can surprise yourself with what comes out of your mouth. Cause I personally, but when I talk, I'm also thinking and I'll say things that I've never said before, but I have no idea where they're come from, but it's like, Oh, wow. I might want to write that down. <laughs> 
right, right. It was in that moment when I was talking to that participant that I thought, ah, I should have had that session recorded because I truly <laughs> yeah. don't remember. I mean, even when he was talking to me a few hours after the session, I couldn't remember what I'd said. And here we are, you know, several days, weeks later, and I don't remember. Entrepreneur, speaker, and artist, Chris Bent is the founder of Pickles, and that's spelled P-I-C-C-L-E-S, a collaborative drawing experience to amplify creative expression. Winner of the MIT Creative Arts and the Hacking Health competitions, he can be found running workshops, running companies, or running through the woods in his free time. Now, Chris, tell me, what is the best story or best moment or best experience you've ever had speaking engagement, whether you were the speaker or you were an audience member? I have seen a lot of amazing speakers and I'm always trying to be exposed to the greats. So like Billie Jean King, John Cena, Simon Sinek, uh Martha Stewart was pretty entertaining even she had smoothies delivered to the thousands of people in the crowd so I have really been blown away I've gone to some TEDx events um there's just so many inspiring stories and inspiring people out there because just being in the presence of someone who has achieved these things that you want to achieve, it's, it's, it's motivating. And I think that part of it is I, I was listening to the advice, like, how do you get a Ted talk? Well, the best way of getting booked for a Ted talk is to live an extraordinary life, do some awesome shit basically. And, and then talk about it. And, and so like you, you almost have to live your content and, and make mistakes and fail because sometimes that is the the best things that you can be talking about on stage and really resonate with people. Um, now, me personally, the, I, I basically started speaking during the pandemic. And I don't know if you have done many virtual presentations, but it is hard to get audience feedback. You, you'll say a joke, it might be funny, but you don't hear any laughs at all. And so there is really no way of knowing whether you're good or bad until you might or might not get some of those feedback forms at the end that people went through the effort of writing out. And it was about a year and a half ago that I did one of the first keynote presentations in person. Um and just on the first activity, when I asked everyone who are sitting at these circular tables to turn to their left and to draw the person on their left, and just the eruption from the audience where they're like, you're asking me to do what now? You're, what are we going to do? Like, I just met this person. Like, it, it just, the, not necessarily commotion, but the energy that just that one ask and that one activity had generated to be able to experience it in person and be in the room 
with everyone doing it, it was so incredible. And that really made me want to do it a heck of a lot more often. Okay, so you started speaking during the pandemic. What brought that on? Because there were a lot of people, let me add on to that. There are a lot of people who are are professional speakers. And when the pandemic hit, they saw a lot of their opportunities dry up or shift to online or get postponed and so on and so forth, me included. I remember April 2020 was going to be a banner month for me. I had, I think, seven engagements and they were all paid and do the math. So how did you shift to, yeah, but they didn't happen (laughs) or they got, you know, moved out or whatever, you know, we were all trying to figure out, you know, life and toilet paper at that point. So (laughs) what, what, how did you make this shift to like really getting into speaking in 2020? Yeah. So I, I was actually not in the meetings or events industry at all before then. I was building pickles, which it gives people a way of connecting and creating. Um, but we were focused on hospitals, actually, specifically children's hospitals, as a way that kids who were isolated and alone in their hospital rooms could have a way of connecting and creating art together to feel more of a sense of connection and community. And so we were trying to like, work on the business model, get partners, just like get different pilot projects up and running. And obviously being in a hospital during the pandemic was not an easy place to be. They were not interested in some of those team building or culture or community building things. They were just trying to survive and help other people survive. And at the same time, the meetings and events industry well, they were all going virtual and they were having a big problem keeping people engaged because when you're just another tab and your email is right next to it and your email is sometimes more productive than sitting in a four or eight hour virtual event, all of these events needed to find ways of keeping people engaged. And we had a way to keep people engaged. So that's kind of when we made that I hate the word pivot. It's so overused now, but we pivoted from hospitals to meetings and events. And then I really began my speaking and facilitating to be able to show people how to use this tool that we had created so that they could use it in their own work as well. What was the scariest part of, we'll use the word pivot. (laughs) What was the scariest part of, of pivoting to speaking? So I think speaking, anytime you're getting up in front of this people, there are those butterflies. And I don't know if those will ever go away. And to just be comfortable with your butterflies and accept them as part of the process of getting on stage. Um, So that's always scary. And then anytime you're going live and your Wi-Fi might not be great, your neighbors are doing construction, your dog has not gone out yet, and they might be coming at you. Um, I think it's like all of those potential things that could derail a talk are in the back of your head making you nervous. But at the same time, 
those can be, as we were talking about improv earlier, some of those most memorable experiences, if you can own it and you can incorporate it into the presentation that you're giving. Right, totally. I mean, I'm sitting here thinking how we have these neighbors who have these ginormous dogs and the neighbor will even sometimes apologize about their dogs barking. And I tell her, well, it's okay because my husband sometimes rides his Harley to work and comes in at like 2 a.m., 3 a.m. on a Harley. So I'm like, you know, your dogs are just getting us back for my husband's pipes on his motorcycle. But yeah, you can like work it into the conversation. If the dogs start barking at just the right moment, you can say, look, even our neighbor's dogs agree with me on this point or, you know, with, you know, construction taking place, you know, hey, I'm out here, I'm multitasking. I've got construction going on and, you know, whatever, right? You just, just, just roll. Yeah. Just roll with the punches. Now, what made you so confident, Chris, to say, uh, you know, we can do this. We can, we can do these speaking engagements and uh, I feel strong. I feel assertive in this i mean was it your content you felt good about what you were speaking on you felt good about your company what was it that just kind of turned it up a couple of notches for you to feel confident and comfortable to go out there and do that yeah really good question bridget and i would say an answer like it it builds over time and i really think confidence comes from action the more you do, the more confident you are. If you're just thinking about being a speaker, you could psych yourself out and mentally stop yourself from even getting on stage or unmuting yourself on a Zoom webinar to talk because you just get too nervous, get a little anxious, get stuck in your head. And I think taking... Any speaking opportunity, especially at the beginning, and especially if it's free, just to get that practice, get those reps in. And if you do well, those can result in paid speaking opportunities. And so I will almost always um, just take any opportunity to speak because I view this as the skill that I want to perfect. And I know I'll never perfect it. But work towards that through my entire life. That's kind of the one thing that I would like to get better and better at as time goes on. Right. It's just about making sure that the next presentation is better than the last one. It's, it's you know, no one on this earth is perfect, right? So it's mm. making sure that you're just constantly improving and you're you're looking back and you're thinking about what worked well and what didn't. I mean, as I sit, and I've been a professional speaker since 2001, even with that last, well, that wasn't my last presentation that I did. I've done more since then. But that presentation in New Orleans where the speak, the participant was talking about the improv, just thinking about his comments, I'm already thinking about the next presentation, which I'll do in a few days. I've got to get over this cold, Mm. so I'm ready to do it. But I'm already thinking about how, okay, you know what? I'm going to have some more unscripted moments in my presentations. And I've been doing this for more than two decades. So it's about making the next better than the last. In a a minute or two. Yeah, yeah. In a minute or two, you'll be able to ask me a question, but did you want to add on to that? Oh, well, the only thing I was going to add on was to also 
accept yourself and not beat yourself up if it wasn't better than the last because you should always strive for that but so many things can happen there was an unruly audience member there was a power outage your plane was late you didn't get a good night's sleep there are things that can throw you off your game that might give you a bad performance and to learn from that and to not just wrap it up and say, man, I guess I this speaking thing isn't for me, but to continue to learn and teach it. Because I think we learn more from our failures than our successes. And so if it, if it wasn't your best, that could propel you to even better than what might have been your best talk uh, so far. And so I think, I think just that's one thing that's hard for a lot of people is that acceptance and self-love even if we aren't performing as well as we hope we are and yeah and just but just trying to get a little bit better and keep experimenting because you if you are trying new things inevitably some of them will fail and to be able to continue to push and try new things I think is what makes it so exciting because we, we do get that immediate feedback when we're talking in front of a crowd Right, right, exactly. Okay, Chris, what's your question for me? Yeah, so my question for you, Bridget, uh, since you have been speaking for a lot longer than me, you have a much more illustrious career and notoriety in the industry. I am curious, for people who are just starting out, who are just new or looking to be a professional speaker, do you have any advice or do you do you wish you knew something about the industry then that you know now? Oh, Chris, if we had more time, if we <laughs> had more time. Okay, so here's the first thing. I want you to confirm that being a professional speaker is exactly what you want to do, that it's really what you want to do. Because when we follow speakers on social media, we see all the glitz and the glam. We see them on a stage smiling and long lines at the author meet and greet and so on and so forth. But then there's also the, like you said earlier, the delayed flights, uh, bad night's sleep, a difficult audience member. And so remember, there's going to be a lot of good in it, but a lot of eh, interesting moments that have you questioning, okay, you know, what... <laughs> what's what's the deal and so the best way to determine if being a professional speaker is really what you want to do is to identify your mission why are you really doing this why are you doing this work why are you wanting to get on stages and then when you figure that out that can help you determine if this is the right thing like do you want to heal others with your story do you want to move others to action? Are you doing this because you want to transform people into leaders? Or do you want to help audiences see possibilities where they think there are no possibilities, right? So that's how you decide if this, this industry is really your jam. That's the first thing that I would recommend. The next thing I would recommend is make sure you have a signature message that kind of transcends time, transcends gender, transcends age. A, a, it's not a must have, but it's good to have a signature talk where 
no matter the industry, no matter the audience in front of you, you're able to take that core message and deliver it in a way that's going to reach and touch them. So have a fantastic core message and that that core message is at the center of everything that is you. Those are probably the two big ones that I would tell you I wish I had done sooner or known sooner or that I would make sure others know if they are thinking about getting into getting into speaking. Yeah. Oh, and videos, videos and pictures. That's number three. Mm, videos, mm. pictures, videos, pictures, those are invaluable. I detest taking pictures. I, it, it's, it's so hard. It's so hard. And uh, I have to like put in a lot of effort to remind myself to have pictures taken and such, but uh, pictures and videos, that's, what's going to sell you. Those are my three. (laughs) I love it. Thank you, Bridget. Those are, those are fantastic. There, there are a ton more in a book that I compiled with 49 other professional speakers and it's entitled own the microphone funny enough Mm -hmm. (laughs) so in in that book uh I go through uh maybe about 20 25 things that I really think you need to have in place and then I give you maybe another 10 15 nice to know things Mm -hmm. as a Mm -hmm. professional speaker but yeah, everybody, if you're interested, the book is Own the Microphone, How 50 of the World's Best Professional Speakers Launched Their Careers and mm. How You Can Too. So that came out in February of 2020, actually, just before the pandemic hit. Wow. So it's available on Amazon and uh, Amazon.com, BarnesandNoble.com, wherever you love to purchase books. That was a great question, Chris. Amazing. I'll check it out. Thank you, Bridget. Yeah, yeah, for sure. For sure. And, it, you know, in that same month was when we started cooking up this podcast as well. So Own the Microphone just kind of took over my life. Oh. <laughs> See, I would have totally thought that that book was made from all of your podcast interviews. No. And then the contributors to the book, a lot of them became podcast guests. The podcast, mm. yeah, the, the podcast is a long story, but <laughs> yeah, there you go. There you go. And you know, everybody, this is an interesting point that we kind of inadvertently made. There is no perfect process for getting into speaking. Do you need to write mm. a book first to become an, an authority on something or an expert? No, I didn't. I just started speaking. And then my book, my first book came 18 years later. Uh, do you need to be on podcasts and then start speaking or do you need to know that there is no perfect formula for how it's done? And some people will do a book and then they'll do speaking. Some people will do speaking and never do a book. Some people, and it works for them. So yeah. you don't have to follow anybody's particular plan or formula and think that that is the right path to being a great speaker. Do what works for you. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. And that can differentiate you sometimes as you, uh, you find a, a new way. Yeah, everybody, everybody has advice, but that advice is relevant to their own story and their own experience. And you just need to kind of take, take it all with a grain of salt, take what works for you and 
be fine leaving behind what doesn't resonate as much because exactly. everybody has a different experience. Exactly, exactly. Chris, what else do listeners need to know in order to make sure they are getting up there and they're just being super confident on the microphone? It's a good question. So I think um, I, so ways of being more confident on the microphone, I think knowing your message to your point, having that signature message and just having it so down that you are confident in what you're going to say. And you almost have a quiver of ideas that you can pull out of to plug in different anecdotes or messages that you really want to share with the audience. So having your content down as the foundation gives you confidence and gives you the ability of improv and filling it in or not saying something. But I think just knowing what you want to talk about uh, is, is huge. And again, the more you do it, the more confident you will be. When you start out, you're probably going to be the least confident. And then maybe when you sell out a massive stadium full of CEOs, you might have that confidence drop again because you're like, oh my gosh, what am I doing in front of all these people? So knowing that confidence isn't fixed and it is very much related to your mindset, you can give yourself positive affirmations. If you're constantly thinking, what am I doing? I'll never be a speaker. I shouldn't be on stage. That will result in you not being a speaker and not getting on stage. So the more that you can think these positive thoughts about your speaking career, you're going to start changing your mindset and the way that you look at the world and the way that the world looks at you. And by doing that, I think you can kind of build, build this confidence. And I mean, for me, I use pickles during all of the speaking engagements that I do. And it's, it's almost easier because I'll just have to come up with four or five questions that I'm going to ask in a 30 minute speaking session. And then I get to just kind of riff and talk about them and get people to respond. And so I am very much on the like interactive side of things where I share the stage with the audience. So I think a way of potentially building more confidence as well is not just going up there and saying, I have 30 minutes to say things that are going to blow them away, but to make them part of the experience. People want to be interacted with and engaged with. And so if you kind of approach it with the mindset where it's not just like all about you, it's really all about your audience. And you are a tool to deliver, as you were saying, uh, inspiration, healing, moving to action, whatever it is, like you are just a vehicle for that. And that kind of takes some of the pressure off of you because it's not about you anymore. It's about your audience and you're just trying to serve them in the best way possible. And I think that that can help build confidence when you keep them in mind. And so you don't have like as much performance anxiety to just get on there and it's all about me. So I got to like perform like as if you're a Taylor Swift at some concert. 
and she's crushing it. <laughs> I know, I know. I just saw like all her songs are on the top 10 Billboard like list. It's just full of T-Swift now. I'm telling you, crushing it. Well, you're crushing it too, Chris. I really appreciate <laughs> you coming on and uh, your company pickles is so interesting. Everybody make sure you go check it out, P-I-C-C-L-E-S.com and check out Chris Bent. He is on social media, connect with him there. And especially if you want to get him uh, on a stage in front of your colleagues, he's really ready to fire up your audience. I tell you, Chris, thank you so much yeah. for being on the show. Bridget, thank you so much for having me. This was a blast. A lot of fun talking to you. For, for sure. Likewise, for sure. And to the listeners, I thank you for tuning in. I'm Bridget McGowan. Until next time, make sure you always own the microphone. <laughs>